Open up your Bibles to Second Timothy. So we're going. We're starting back on our uh, principles of Bible study. Second Timothy two. It feels like uh, I haven't been here in forever. I've missed. Uh, sorry, Brianna, for the noises. I'm taking down this poster. Yeah, Candy Lane will go back up after at the end, but I have a lot of stuff to write down today, so. So we started, we talked about context, man, it's been like a month ago because we missed, I missed last, last Sunday and then I think the last two Wednesdays. So it's been a long time. Um, huh? Yeah, we were in Mexico. We took the boys to Mexico last week. So last Wednesday I missed because it was, uh, Lincoln had two baseball games and then they played in the championship game Thursday night and then we left Friday morning to go to the airport to go to Mexico. We were there for a week and we just got back on Thursday. So that's why I missed last Sunday and last Wednesday. And then baseball caused me to miss the one before that. So, yeah. Anyways, so we've been talking about rules of Bible study. We'll be on this for a while, but we talked about context. And then last time I taught in here, we talked about um, the rule or the law of first mention. Uh, I had you guys go to Second Timothy for our theme verse. Anybody remember which one it is now that you're already there? Yeah, 15. Somebody read verse 15. 2 Timothy 2.15. Nobody? Amy, read 2 Timothy 2.15 for us. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, so that's our theme verse uh, because um, the rules of Bible study are... are they're helpful to know when you're reading the Bible. Like if you're just doing your daily reading, they're kind of helpful to know those things. But uh, you're not. It's really when you start studying the Bible that you need to know these things. It's when you're studying to give a devotion, or you're studying just to like understand more about what you're reading. If you're just reading, um, it is important to know the context for sure. But uh, you know, once you start like looking up where the first time a word shows up, once you start doing some cross referencing, once you start kind of trying to dig a little bit deeper, that's where you really need to um, understand some of these rules or these principles about studying the Bible. And so this this verse about studying to show ourselves approved unto God, um, it does take work, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So, you know, it, it takes effort, it takes time, it takes, um, you know, it takes some, some work to put in to really dig into, find out, uh, you know, what, what is going on here? I need to understand the context. Who is it written to? You know, what's going on in the verses around it? What's going on in the chapters around it? Is this in the Old Testament? Is it in the New Testament? Uh, who wrote this? Uh, is he writing to the church? Is he writing to the Jews? Is he writing to somebody else? Um, those kinds of things are helpful to know. How does God use this word in the Bible? We talked about the first mention. So, like, usually that sets the tone for how he's going to use that word or that phrase throughout the rest of the Bible. And so understanding that, okay, so he uses this word this way the first time. 
So when he uses it later on here, you know, it maybe it probably means something along these lines, and then you put it into the context, and then you're gonna like all these other things that we're gonna learn um, about how to study the Bible. All these things kind of build on each other and to help give you kind of a better um, overall understanding of of what's going on in the Bible, so you can really understand what you're reading and how to apply it. And so um, we started last time I was in here. We started talking about just order, how God is a God of order. Uh, we talked about that verse in First Corinthians um, where it talks about God or doing things decently and in order. And we say that at this church a lot. Uh, you know, Brian's really big on doing things decently and in order. Like someone shouldn't take the Lord's Supper before they've been baptized. Well, once they're saved, they really can take the Lord's Supper. But in the Bible, that's kind of the order that it is. The first step of obedience is baptism. And then they, you know, then they partake in the Lord's Supper. So, um, you know, those kinds of things, doing things decently and in order, uh, you know, someone shouldn't be baptized until that person has been saved, right? That's decently and in order. Um, so understanding that God is a God of order, the way that God, um, created the, the, the earth, he did things in a certain order, right? He, he made the light and then he made the darkness and then he separated those two things and, or he didn't make the darkness, but the darkness was, the absence of the light. So he made the light and then he separated it from the darkness. And he, he did all these things um, in steps and in order. And uh, and so we looked at the first mention. We looked at the word heart. I don't know if you guys remember that, but we right, right before God wiped out... Um, well, here, just flip to it. Genesis chapter 6. Right before the flood comes and wipes out um, mankind. Look at what God says. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. So this was the first mention of the word heart, and uh, like like most of the time, not always. It's a it's a principle. It's not a you know. It doesn't mean that it's that way every single time, but in general, uh, it sets the tone. So verse five of Genesis six says, "And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually." And so you know, man's heart is wicked and evil, and that's what causes God to want to destroy mankind and start all over with Noah and his family. Um, and then throughout the Bible, it's just, if anytime man's heart is mentioned, it is wicked. It's evil. It's, um, you know, that's where um, the life issues versus escaping man. Oh, yeah. Uh, keep that heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Right? Wickedness dwells within our heart, and man's heart has always been that way. Um, but the, the exception to that is, Anytime, so like we, we see uh, in Acts, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. And so when mankind, when his heart is set on following the Lord, um, obviously that's, that's a good thing. That's, that's what we should be, that's where we should be setting our heart. Because that very next verse in verse 6 says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So the second mention of the word heart is in that same passage, um, talking about God's heart. And God's heart was... Uh, was sorrowful that he had made mankind because mankind was so wicked. And so when we, when we follow after our own heart, when we do the things that are, are in our own heart, it's wickedness, it's evil, uh, it leads to destruction. Uh, but when we follow after God's heart, you know, God can record things about David like that he was a man after his own heart. If we're following after the Lord's heart, um, you know, then that, that wickedness and that destruction that comes from that um, doesn't happen. And so, um, so we see the first two mentions of the word heart there. So we talked about that last week. We looked at some other words. We looked at precious. Uh, I think we looked at worship with, um, Abraham and Isaac. 
Uh, so anyway, I don't want to rehash all of that, but I just want to kind of get you guys back into uh, where we're at since it's been a couple weeks. So uh, today we're going to talk about, that thing's going to bug me, uh, we're going to talk about divisions. That's going to be the third one we look at. So, um, so God sets everything in order. He does things in a certain order. And the, ver- the theme verse that we're using for this, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. What's the last part of that verse say? Rightly. Is no one still there? No one remembers what it says. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, so someone who desires to be a student of the word of God, we're going to study to show ourselves approved unto God. It's going to be work, but we're doing we're do, we're going to do the work, and we're going to rightly divide the word of truth. Well, the word of truth is the Bible. Uh, we're going to talk about that this week in VBA. Um, but the, that verse says rightly dividing the word of truth. So that if we're supposed to divide rightly divide the Bible, that means there's a right way we can do it, and there's a wrong way that we can do it, right? And so um, we talked about that a little bit with when we talked about context. You could take a lot of things out of context and kind of make the Bible say whatever you want it to say, right? You can, I mean, there's whole religions based on, well, the Bible says this. Okay, well, that's taken out of context. It's twisted this way or that way. Uh, and now they've made it a doctrinal belief or a foundational belief of, of their religion, right? That, that happens a lot. Um, so we can take things out of context, but uh, not dividing the Bible properly is also a problem. So... Um, so there's a right way and there's a wrong way. Um, some of you guys maybe have heard the word dispensation. You guys know that word? Have you heard the word at least? Okay. So we're going to talk about dispensations next week. Uh, but that's one of the divisions uh, in the Bible is 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 um, is dispensations. But it's important to know like how the Bible is divided up because uh, God does things. I mean, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We say that uh, a lot. But uh, there are some things that you know, God does things differently in certain parts of the Bible than he does in other parts of the Bible. Now, God himself has not changed, uh, but the way that he deals with mankind uh, changes. Like, I mean, look at the Old Testament. You know, God God is talking with Adam in the garden, right? God is is like physically speaking audibly to Adam in the garden. Okay, he does that with Moses. He does that with Noah. He does that with Abraham. He does that with David. He does that with a lot of people in the Old Testament. Uh, where he's he's audibly speaking to them, right? Uh, he does that with a lot of the prophets. Well, God doesn't audibly speak to us anymore in the in the New Testament, right? In, in the church age, God doesn't speak to us now. Obviously, when Jesus was on the earth, he was God was speaking, you know, physically. Jesus Christ was speaking to mankind. Well, now God doesn't do that anymore. Well, God didn't change, but He changes the way that He like interacts and communicates with us right he gave us this now we have this this is the words this is the word of god right here we don't need the audible voice of god anymore in fact in uh late in the new testament i think it's in first peter it says uh you know that we should trust this more than the audible word of god and uh and so so some of those types of things the way that god deals with mankind or the way that he interacts with mankind changes from time to time in the bible so there's different uh, there's different times in the Bible or different divisions uh, that we're going to look at. So in Genesis, go to Genesis chapter 1. Um, there's the word divide uh, shows up three times in the first chapter. And then the word divided shows up two more times. So five times uh, just in the first chapter. 
God uses this this word divide or divided. And so uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time um, looking at the first mention of this word, but I do think it's important to kind of to kind of talk about this. So um, in verse so Genesis one one in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And, the, and God called the light day, and the, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Okay, and then uh, get to the very end of this chapter. Um, no, it's not the very end of the chapter. Where is it? Sorry, I didn't write this first down in my notes. Um, All right, I don't see it. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, but God talks about how each, you know, each day of the creation, God saw that it was good, right? And at the very end of the creation, it says, uh, God looked upon all the creation and he saw that it was very good, something like that. Uh, that's a little bit of a misquote, but it's one of those uh, verses in there. God, so God repeatedly says, this is good, this is good, this is good. But he's used the word divide five different times, but he says that that's good, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the creation, and he says that the creation was good. And so uh, a lot of times, at least when in the church context, when we talk about division, uh, the first thing I think about is, uh, like in 1 Corinthians, it talks about, you know, that the church shouldn't be divided, like that there be no divisions among you. And so I think about division, I think about, oh, that's bad. We don't want division in our church, right? We want, we don't want someone to come in, uh, you know, and start gossiping and start these problems, or there's some sin issues in the leadership and all these things happen and now the church is divided. Uh, we don't want that to happen. Uh, so division, I think a lot of times, at least for me, maybe for you guys, has a negative connotation. But God uses the word divide in the Bible uh, different ways at different times. Uh, but at least with, with creation, when God, when God created, he divided things from each other. He divided the land from the sea, divided the light from the darkness. Um, and God says that those things are good. So the word divide does not always mean uh, something bad. Uh, generally, when he's talking about, uh, again, I did, I did not study out every single use of the word divide, but, um, but I looked at a lot of them. And generally speaking, when you talk about, when you talking about dividing things that are like, um, objects, animals, land, light, those kinds of things, when he's dividing those things, um, those things are generally good. When it's talking about man and dividing, you know, divisions in the church and those kinds of things, um, it's usually not good. Uh, so that's kind of how God uses the word uh, division throughout the Bible. Uh, flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is one of those times that um, speaking to the church when the word division is not good. Um, while you're flipping there, like when, when, he's, when, he's, when Moses separates and divides uh, the Red Sea, you know, when, when they're running from the Egyptians, uh, the word divide is used there. He divides the waters so they can walk across on dry land. Obviously, that's a good thing, right? That's God delivering them uh, with, you know, through this use of this word uh, division. But in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, 
Paul's writing to this church at Corinth. Uh, this church had a lot of problems. There was a lot of uh, issues going on in this church, a lot of sin. Um, just they were not doing the things that they should be doing. And so uh, Paul says, I beseech you, like I, I beg you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So Paul, when he's using division, most of the time when Paul writes about it in the New Testament, it's talking about the church being divided. And, you know, God wants unity within the body, right? We are, we're all the same body, but we're, you know, we're different members. We have different jobs. We have different responsibilities, but we're all part of one body. There's a whole whole chapter about that in in Corinthians. And so, you know, God desires unity within the church. uh, But a lot of times when he uses the word division, speaking not about people, but about like an object or or something, um, you know, those those divisions uh, are things that please God. And he talks about a lot with the the sacrifices, like in Leviticus, if you read through Leviticus, they're supposed to divide, you know, the innards from the, you know, skin, or they're supposed to divide the, you know, the offering into two pieces, or they're supposed to divide. So a lot of the, the offerings and stuff are talking about dividing them. And so, uh, so the way God uses the word divide or divisions, um, is, is kind of interesting to look at throughout the Bible. But, but for purposes of this, when we're talking about divisions, um, as a principle, uh, it's not so much about the use of the, the particular word division, but it's more about, uh, how does God divide the Bible up? So what are some ways that you guys know that God divides the Bible? What are some divisions that you know in the Bible? Don't be so shy. Old and New Testament. Testament. That's the easiest one. One of the most important ones, maybe the most important one. How else does God divide the Bible? Jim talked about this a little bit whenever he did his um, manuscript evidence stuff. Huh? Before Jesus, during, and after Jesus. Okay. Uh... Okay, what else? So whenever Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, for example, how did he write it? Not like what kind of pen did he use, but I mean, he wrote it as a what? What was it? He wrote it as a letter. Okay, so he probably, not probably, he did not uh, use chapters, verses, stuff like that, right? He just wrote a letter. If you write a letter to your friend, or family member or something like that, you're not going to write it with, you know, different chapters probably. Uh, well, book, books, chapters, verses. Those are those are divisions. Those were added, uh, not the books, but the chapters and the verses were added later. That's what Jim talked about when he was doing manuscript evidence. He was telling us how. I can't remember when, like 400, I think it was around 480 where they added a lot of the chapters and the verses separations. Before that, it was, you know, more paragraph form or more like a letter. Uh, so they added those chapters. So those, the chapters and the, and some of you guys' Bibles have paragraph markers, right? Those are, those are punctual, punctuation things that were added later. Uh, but they help give you kind of an idea. Okay. He's starting a new train of thought here. You know, this is kind of separated from the stuff before it. 
uh, even though it's all within the same chapter, you know, he's kind of shifting gears a little bit. So like an author in a book might start a new chapter or they might insert a couple of extra lines to say, okay, now we're going to start talking about something different. Uh, you know, the Bible uh, has inserted paragraph markers. Now, a lot of those are done by the like manufacturer of your particular Bible. So they may be different from Bible to Bible, but that's a division. What else? Be more specific than just Old and New Testament. What are some divisions within the Old Testament or the New Testament? The division of the Red Sea. Okay. Yeah. Think more structurally about the Bible. So like in the Old Testament, you have... Before flood, after flood. Before the flood, after the flood, Okay. Not a lot happens pre-sin, but I'll give you that. Some, some does happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. About about two chapters worth of God doing some work. Yes, Bianca. Um, like before and after they got kings. Yes. Okay. So that's a that's a big one. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Okay. The wilderness. What about the New Testament? What are some divisions in the New Testament? Okay. That's I'll just leave your pre and post Jesus. What else? What are some just think about the books of the New Testament. What what are the four first four books of the New Testament? The Gospels, okay. So that's a division, right? We know the Gospels. We know that things change after the Gospels, right? So the first four books of the of the New Testament are, even though they're in the New Testament, they're kind of in the Old Testament, right? Because Jesus hasn't died and rose again yet until the very end of each of those books. What other divisions are in the New Testament? There's a transition books, yes. Whoops, transition. Then who wrote most? Huh? What did you say? Oh yeah, the prophets. Yes, in the Old Testament. Who wrote most of the New Testament? Who wrote most of the New Testament? Paul. And what was he mostly writing? He was writing letters. Yes, to churches. So Paul's letters. That's a decent chunk of the New Testament. What else? What's like the last book of the Bible? What's significant about that? Yeah, it's Revelation, but what's significant about Revelation? What kind of... How would you divide that? What's what's going on in Revelation? What do we call that book? Or what, do we, what is the content that's in that book? Yes, we call it End Times... Could also be prophecy because those things haven't happened yet, so they are technically prophecy. Okay, so those are some divisions. That's a pretty good list. Uh, I'm going to give you guys the the official uh, Heartland breakdown of uh, the divisions in the Bible. So, of course, there's seven of them uh, in the Old Testament and seven in the New Testament because that's how we roll here at Heartland. 
All right, so you got the first five books. I don't know if you guys have heard the phrase Pentateuch. I think this is how you spell it. That's Genesis to Deuteronomy. So think about like what's going on in Genesis to Deuteronomy. You got God, you know, creating everything. Then He's dealing with Abraham, and then you got um, Joseph at the end of, of Genesis. And the people, you know, they go to they go to Egypt because that's where all the food is, right? Joseph is in charge of the food. So he brings his dad, who is who's Joseph's dad? Joseph's dad. Joseph had eleven brothers. There's nope. There was 12 brothers and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. So the dad was... He was what? Not Abraham. This is like a couple generations later. So Abraham has Isaac and then Isaac has Jacob. Yes, Jacob is the dad. So, uh, so Jacob, who God later changed his name to Israel, uh, he has 12 sons. Those are the 12 tribes. But... Joseph is in charge of Egypt and he brings his whole family in, right? All of his brothers, his dad, he brings them all to Egypt. He sets them all up. He gives them this land. Uh, they have food. Joseph's, Joseph's in charge. Uh, his dad dies and then eventually he dies and all of his brothers die. And the book of Exodus, where Pastor Brian's preaching on Sunday mornings, he says uh, at the beginning of the chapter or the beginning of the book, it talks about how that the Pharaoh who knew Joseph, the one that loved Joseph and put him in charge of everything, that Pharaoh died. And Joseph and all his brothers and everyone died. And then a new regime rose up in, in Egypt and they did not know, you know they didn't care about the, uh, the Israelites. And they're like, hey, we've been, this whole other nation uh, has been living in our borders and they've been eating our food and they've been doing all this stuff. Like, let's make life hard on them. Let's make them slaves. And so then, then Exodus, the whole book of Exodus is about them trying to exit from Egypt and get established in their own country, right? God gives them the promised land, tells them, hey, you're going to have to go to this promised land, go defeat the giants. They don't want to do that. And so God makes it, okay, fine. Wander around in the wilderness for 40 years till all of you guys die, and then your kids will go do the thing that you guys are supposed to do. So then they get into the promised land, right? But while they're wandering in the wilderness, um, that's the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers, the book of Deuteronomy is all in the wilderness. Okay, that, that happens. So the first five books is when they get the law of Moses, when they, um, you know, the establishment of the Jewish people uh, is the first five books. So that's a big division. And then you have, so this was Israel in formation. Like they were being formed because Israel did not exist before God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Uh, before that, there was no nation of Israel. There was no Jews. Um, I guess technically Abraham was probably the first. But anyways, uh, so then you got Israel in the land. So eventually they get to their promised land. What book does that happen in? You guys know what book they, they get in the land on? If the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus... Numbers and Deuteronomy are them in formation. They get into the land in what book? What comes after Deuteronomy? Joshua. Joshua. Right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You guys know that song? Does anybody know that song? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho? 
Yes, Juju knows it. Is she the only one? You should know that song. Josh fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. No? So you know it. Okay. So yeah, he fights the battle of Jericho. Jericho was the first city that they got to when they, cro- they crossed the Jordan River. And the first city right there was Jericho. That's when they got into the Promised Land. They had to fight the battle, win the battle. And then they started going through and they started conquering a bunch of other cities. So Israel gets into the land. Joshua, the book of Judges, and the book of Ruth. <clears throat> and then... Yeah, Israel in the kingdom. So that was, somebody said kings. I think that was Bianca. So this is going to be 1 Samuel through uh, 2 Chronicles. So those are the king books, right? All the books that talk about the kings. Uh, you know, the first, who was the first king of Israel? They wanted a king. God said, you don't need a king. You have me. I'm the leader of your country and they're like no we want a king like everybody else Saul thank you Saul was the first king he shows up in 1 Samuel chapter 5 I think or maybe 4 um, all the way up through Second Chronicles this is all the kings so and so reigned for so many years and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord or he did that which was evil inside the Lord uh, so we talk, we learn about all the different kings of Israel they only uh, all happen in these these books and then you got Israel in captivity we talked about that a lot um they sinned, they went into captivity, then they repented, then they got out of captivity. So that's going to be Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Whoops. Okay, that's when they're rebuilding the walls. Right, Nehemiah goes in and he built, rebuilds the walls. Uh, Ezra comes in, they're, re- they're rebuilding, they're trying to get uh, things back to the way that they were. Then you have the wisdom books. Some of you guys have probably heard of the wisdom books. That's going to be Job through Song of Solomon. So Proverbs is like the book on the focuses on wisdom, but uh, all those books really um, are the wisdom books. And then somebody earlier said the prophets. Yes, so you got major prophets and you got minor prophets. You guys know the difference between major prophets and minor prophets? Why are they called major or minor? Huh? That's the that's a good guess because that's what most people would think. But no, it just has to do with the size of the book. It has nothing to do with the importance of what's in there. That was a little bit of a trick question. Uh, so Hosea through Malachi. Whoops. Yeah. So the minor prophets and the major prophets. Uh, God wouldn't put something in there that's like not important. So uh, it's just the size of the books. Most of like you look at. Uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, those books are Isaiah's 66 books or chapters. I mean, uh, Jeremiah is like 52, I think, or 54. Daniel, I think, is only like 14 or 16. But then, like Hosea, a bunch of those are like one chapter, two chapters. Jonah's four chapters. So there's a lot of short uh, books. That's why they're the minor prophets. So that's kind of a breakdown of the Old Testament. Um, the reason that's important to know, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit as as I was writing them down, but. Knowing how Israel came to be a nation, the whole Old Testament focuses on the nation of Israel. So uh, knowing how they became a nation, uh, how God delivered them from captivity in Egypt, uh, how he continued to do that uh, in some of these other books, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, how he allowed them to go back into the land and rebuild things. Um, those are important things. Like, we, you know, for us, like we think about Israel and you may think, well, it doesn't really matter. I don't really care what happened to Israel 4,000 years ago. Um but 
the way that God deals with the nation of Israel is very similar to the way that he deals with us. Right? We get into sin. Uh, our relationship with God is not what it should be. Uh, you know, maybe God allows some things to come and happen in our life like he did with Job. Uh, although that wasn't from Job's own sin, but you know, some stuff happens and God is hoping that those things draw us back to him, right? God doesn't, uh, allow things to happen in our life or he doesn't, uh, give us, give us consequences in our life to like drive us further away. Those consequences are meant to restore fellowship. And that's what he did with the nation of Israel. He put them into captivity or allowed them to be put into captivity, not because he was, uh, you know, trying to punish them. I mean, that was part of it, but, uh, he was trying to restore them back to him. He knew that if they get desperate enough where the only place they can turn is to me, to God, uh, then, then that's what I ultimately want from them. And so they would, that's, that's what he would allow them to get to that point, uh, where they would become so desperate that where the only place they could go was to God. And that's where, that's where we get sometimes things get bad in our life or, or, you know, we feel like things just aren't working or going our way or, uh, you know, we were, we find ourselves in some kind of a sin issue and, you know, hopefully we don't have to get all the way to the point where our only option is God, but God allows things to happen in our life to bring us back to him. So we can see a lot of the similarities and like a lot of the things that happen here in, in the old Testament, uh, while they don't directly, um, they aren't directly for us. Like we're not, we're not Jewish, but, uh, we can still get a lot of things from, uh, from that application. Like we can, we can apply those things in our life. So just being able to know, like when you're reading, you know, if you're reading in second Samuel, okay, Israel is already in the promised land. They're already, they've been there for a while. They've got Kings established. They're working, uh, you know, they're doing all this stuff. Like just knowing where you are in the old Testament, you know, based on these divisions, will kind of help you understand, okay, They've already, they, Israel has already become a nation. They've already gotten into the land. Now they're in the land. They've got kings. Uh, you know, they're going to be led into captivity here. So some of those, like, just structural things are, are helpful. All right, so in the New Testament, we've already talked about some of these, so I'm going to go kind of fast over these because we're almost out of time. But you got the Gospels, right? That's Matthew through John. Probably already know that. Makes me think of that song every time. Uh, then you got History. And this is really just the book of Acts. Uh, we call it a transitional book also. Uh, but Acts, if you read through the whole book of Acts, everything that happens basically for the rest of the New Testament, all of Paul's letters uh, happen during the events of the book of Acts. So um, it's not like Acts happens and then First Corinthians, you know, it doesn't, or then Romans, then First Corinthians. It doesn't happen chronologically like that. All of Romans, First Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all those letters, all those books happened during the the book of Acts. Um, so the book of Acts kind of spans most of the New Testament. Uh, so that's our history book. And then you got your church epistles. That's going to be Romans all the way to Second uh, Thessalonians. These are ones Paul's writing to churches, right? He writes to the church of Rome. He writes to the church of Corinth. He writes to the church of Galatia, the church of Ephesus, the church of... Philippi, Colossae, all those. Okay, those are church epistles. And then some of you guys may have heard this before. Maybe you haven't. Pastoral epistles. That's going to be 1 Timothy through Philemon. Uh, that does not mean that only pastors really care about what's in those books. But Paul is writing First and Second Timothy. He writes them to Timothy as kind of a, like a final charge. Like Timothy... I've taught you a lot of things. Here's the stuff that you really need to know. Here's how to be 
a pastor of, the, I think he was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Here's how to be a pastor, right? And so like where they lay out the, the requirements for a pastor, the requirements for a deacon, those are in Timothy, those are in Titus. Uh, so that's not just that if you're, unless you're a pastor, you don't need to read these. It's not that, but, um, but he switches from writing to churches to writing to people, right? He writes to Timothy. He writes to Titus. He writes to, um, Philemon about Onesimus. Uh, so he's writing to people here instead of he's writing to churches. So it's a little bit different. Uh, and then you got Jewish transition. So God is, the whole Old Testament, you know, is focused on the Jews. And some of the New Testament is focused on the Jews, right? I mean, Jesus is a Jew. Jesus tells his disciples they're all Jewish. He tells them all to go to the Jews. Don't go to the Gentiles and all that. And then in Acts, we start transitioning to where, okay, now we're going to start going to the Jews and the Gentiles. And then the rest of the New Testament, most of it is focused on uh, primarily the Gentiles, you know. Uh, but the Jewish transition books, so there's still some of the, some stuff going to the Jews. God still uses uh, the Jews even today. But Hebrews all the way to Second um, Peter. What's up, Jackson? Hi. Sorry to interrupt. You're okay. Uh, and then you got the epistles of John. Bet you can't guess which these ones are. What are the epistles of John, do you think? Yeah, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Good job. 1st John, if I can write to 3rd John. Oof. All right, they got the end times, which we already talked about, which is just going to be Jude and Revelation. Okay, that's all we got time for. Uh, if you're taking notes, I'd write these down. This is—it's helpful to know these divisions. We'll talk about dispensations, which is different, uh, but they are divisions within the Bible. We'll talk about those. Uh, but I was just telling you guys we were uh, out of town last week. When you go, how many of you guys been on an airplane? Okay, about half of you guys been on an airplane. When you go on an airplane. Uh, when you take off, right, you're at ground level. You can see everything. It's just like normal. It's like being in a car. Once you get up off the ground, the higher you get, the smaller everything gets, right? Everything gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Once you're up at 30,000 feet where you're cruising, if there's no clouds and you can still see the ground, all you can pretty much see is, like, it's green or it's it's blue if you're flying over the water. It's green if you're flying over the, the trees and stuff. You can, you can still sometimes make out, like, the grid lines of the roads, you know, if you guys have seen that from a plane. Uh... When you're driving on the roads, you don't like really think, oh, these aren't like in a grid, but you get up high and you start looking and so you can kind of see how everything's laid out, right? Especially if it's just like when you fly over Kansas City or over a city that, oh, I've, I've been there, I can recognize a few things, but the higher and higher you get, the harder it is to make out details. You can just kind of see, you know, the general overview, the, the big picture of what's happening uh, in that city or as you fly over the ocean or something like that. Um, but... That's what this this divisions is helpful with. It gives you an overview of the Bible. You kind of it breaks it into big chunks, so you can kind of see what God was doing in Genesis and how that's different than what He's doing in First Samuel. How that's different than what's going on in Proverbs. And once you get into the new, you know, like when you can kind of see it from a big picture and you kind of understand, okay, here's here's the parameters of what I'm looking at. Here's Israel. Here's you know some prophecy books. Here's some stuff in the New Testament where Jesus is on the earth. And here's some stuff that Paul wrote. You can, If you break it down like that, you can kind of see it uh, from this big 30,000-foot overview. Uh, it really helps to at least 
understand a little bit more big picture of what's going on, um, helps you kind of understand your Bible maybe in a little bit different way. Uh, dispensations will help a lot with that, with more specifically like um, different uh, doctrines and how God, you know, how people in the Old Testament didn't get saved like we get saved. There's some dispensational things that have changed, right? The way that the way that Noah was saved, he was saved physically, right, from an actual literal flood. Uh, God saved him and his family, but uh, so things that things are a little bit different than like when we get saved in the New Testament. Uh, that's way different than what than what um, Noah did or Abraham did or David did. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we talk about dispensations next week. But uh, that's divisions. If you didn't get it written down, take a picture of it. We're over time by two minutes. Not bad. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you for uh, this day. And God, I just thank you for uh, this study as we go through these these principles and these rules of Bible study. God, I pray that um, all these things that we're learning and all these things that we're talking about, God, that these are not just uh, more pieces of information that we can um, lock away and forget about and, and not use, God, but that all these things would be uh, things that we would, uh, as we read our Bibles, God, that we would it would give us a, a little bit of a different understanding, a deeper understanding, God, a desire to uh, want to study your word, a, a, a desire to want to rightly divide it, God, a, a desire to want to put in the work uh, that it takes to, to really unlock some truths in your word. And so, God, I pray that uh, that this study really is helpful for these these guys and helpful for me as well, God, that um, it's just a way that we can learn more about you and, and your word and what you have for us, God, and that ultimately we can apply those things in our life. And uh, so I just thank you and praise you for uh, this study. I thank you, thank you for everyone that's here this morning. I pray for uh, Pastor Brian as he's preparing to, to preach to us. I pray that uh, you just bring people in that need to hear uh, the message that's been prepared for us this morning, God. Prepare our hearts as we get ready to hear it. And uh, just ask all this in your name. Amen.